London. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in Miller and Condon on a Thursday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Back to local programming for the next couple of hours. Thanks for spending some of the morning here with uh, Trent Condon and myself, Ken Miller. Uh, on the BMW of Des Moines guest list today, we're going to talk Big Ten with John Bowen Camp uh, from uh, Sports Illustrated, the Maven. He runs the uh, Hawkeye site over there, but we're going to do a lot of Big Ten conversation in addition to some Iowa questions. Uh, Matt Rudy from Golf Digest at 1045. Some news in the golf world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Commissioner Monahan yesterday. Well, let me ask you. Yeah. Did, were you as on pins and needles as I was waiting for the press conference and then it got pushed back. And I don't think this is bad. <laughs> Things are going to be canceled. This, is that, that's, that's what I thought. I was never there. I probably wasn't following it quite as closely as you were either. I heard there was a postponement or moving back of the press conference, but that was it. And your mind sometimes goes that direction. No, I just don't want it to end, right? Because it's been our sports viewing over the weekends, I know, yes. here over the last uh, few weeks. And, and, and this just in, the country had their highest number of positive cases yesterday. Yeah. Not March, not April, when it was really bad. Remember those days it was oh, really yeah. bad? Yesterday we had a, a record. So, <laughs> sports, we are crossing our fingers, right? And and everything else we possibly can, but that we have some of this. But uh, So that was that's what goes through my head, I'll, I'll admit it, um, when I see these things. But... Uh, the news was good. Well, not good. There was positives on the tour, but they're going to play. And uh, Phil Mickelson was off to a start. More about uh, that coming up as uh, we will talk to Matt Rudy at 1045. We've got a newcomer to the rotation. I'm glad we're expanding our baseball guests to do so uh, on a national perspective. We are going to uh, go back to the sporting news. Tom Gatto writes for the sporting news. He covers Major League Baseball. We will talk with him at 1115, 1120-ish. And then Matt Poston's on the Big 12. Uh, he'll slide on in here to about 1135 as we head towards noon. Um, I want to get into Jamie Pollard's message to fans. As always, or as always, as certainly recent form, uh, he continues to lead the way through this, and the transparency that's coming out of Ames is just—it's fantastic. It really and truly is. Pollard and his staff have done, at least in my opinion, a terrific job of um, sharing what's going on to the extent that they can, uh, and I think that they've been way more than forthcoming. Hats off to Jamie Pollard and the Iowa State staff. We'll get into that in a second, but I want to start with you because I'm two and a half hours away of of an uncomfortable situation that you went through yesterday. (laughs) Uh, So you had your COVID test. I did, yes. Uh, Results will be back in 48 to 72 hours. So it can take as much as four days, huh? Yeah. Uh, No, that's not four days. Three Three days, days. yeah. Three days is is what they said. Three business days. Yesterday was Wednesday. So hopefully... By the end of tomorrow? That's what I'm hopeful for, that it will be back, and I won't have to wait till Monday to get the results. I haven't had any symptoms. Nothing nothing to be concerned about, but because Chris Williams... uh, has mm-hmm. been confirmed with the case of COVID-19 because of that, decided that I was going to go out and make the test. Well, all the staff. Yeah, and everybody's made that decision. It was a very simple process. Go, a, going on how the website. How long wise? Um, so by the time you pulled up and rolled down your window was how long? And you, and you have that, whatever, that barcode. It's yep. not a barcode, whatever it's called. The Q code. Q code. So it they, was four or five cars maybe in front of me. Mm-hmm. 
And you had an appointment at what time? Three o'clock. Okay. Got there at two fifty-five. Okay. I was out of there by three o four. It was really? that quick, and that was with cars in front of me yep. that were lined up. The actual when you pull into the tent, mm-hmm. first time you're able to roll down your window, you show your Q code, you show your ID, and then you get the go ahead to go and be in line for the tent. Mm-hmm. Maybe ninety seconds. Really, that's. It is quick, it is efficient, it is exactly what you want to be, but the question for people that haven't had it done, how does it feel? Right. <laughs> that's that's what everybody says. So I've seen it done. I've seen video of people that have, you know, just had their iPhone out and they're doing it that way and and so seen it people done. videotape Oh yeah. Are, oh, There's know, a guy for bar, from Barstool way back at the beginning of this. That was the first one that I saw mm-hmm. that did it went through the testing site. Um so I I've seen it and I know that the swab goes up there high. Mm-hmm. I've talked to a couple of people that have had it done, and the word that always comes back is uncomfortable. That, right. That's what I've heard multiple right. times. It's, it's uncomfortable. Yep. It doesn't hurt. And it doesn't hurt. So they stick it up there yeah. in the first nostril. Is it not uncomfortable? It's, it's a little worse than uncomfortable, <laughs> I would well. say. It would be a step past that. Yeah. It doesn't hurt. But as they're doing it, and then they go further. And that was the one where, where at first you get that first wow. That was a lot And there's deeper. still another step after right, wow? Right. It, it was more than I anticipated. Mm. And they move it around a little bit, mm-hmm. get what they need, get the sample and come out. <laughs> as they were doing it, so it's up my right nostril. And my right eye is just fluttering. I, I'm sure because of the pressure, whatever it is, and the optic nerve up there. I'm no doctor, but mm-hmm. my eye is fluttering there. Takes it out. The uh, the doctor and nurse, he says, all right, you know, take 30 seconds or so. You can feel right. I took about 15. And I'm like, okay, just do let's the other do one. It, right. Yeah, let's get it over with. Same thing. Left eye then is fluttering away as he's got that thing up there. And that's it. They put it in the plastic bag and away you go. And you drive away. And it is an incredibly efficient process, the way that they have it set up. Mm-hmm. It is good. It is quick. A little more than uncomfortable. Yeah. And away you go. And you still feel it for a while, though. Again, afterwards... It doesn't hurt, but you just feel something weird up in your nose. And, and that, that feeling lasted for me for probably 25, 30 minutes afterwards. And mm-hmm. then even throughout the night last night. So I'm calling high school baseball. Oh, throughout this. So it doesn't go away quickly? Well, it, it does. But did you blow your nose a lot afterwards? No, do you I, do that? I thought I did. I did once, but mm-hmm. that was it. I brought some tissues with me to the ball game just in case because I didn't yeah. know and right. never ended up even using them. But it just... It's something mentally, I think, more than anything yeah. was there. There wasn't anything going on. There wasn't anything that was happening. I didn't have a ruddy nose. I didn't get a bloody nose, anything like that. That's not what it was. It just you have that image and you have that feeling still there. Something just felt a little bit different. But it wasn't bad. I, If you need to do it or if you're a little on edge about it, go have it done. It's a simple process. And then afterwards, you can possibly have that positive feeling. Now, the one part I do wish is we'd find out if you have antibodies, if you did have it in the past. Oh, they don't tell you that? I don't believe uh, so, that you yeah, don't get I, I that wish, piece. Yeah, that's too bad. I'd love to know that. I think if you go to LifeServe Blood Center, yeah. and uh, they can find out that. Same thing with plasma. But you have to donate, right? Right, Blood, right, yeah, and yeah. go that direction, and you'd be not able to find out. that's a bad thing. No, no, not at all. But uh, that that's the one piece. At least I hadn't heard. I don't believe that you'll get the antibody test back when you uh, go to test Iowa. But hmm. pretty easy, in and out. And now you get your chance coming up here in two and a half hours. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, so does, does it, I mean, I guess every every one of the locations is different, but does it pay to get there? My appointment is 1230. So if I get there at 1220, I mean, I don't know. Are you just going to sit in your car? I mean, no, I think I think you'd be good. Um, like I said, because I arrive five minutes early 
And they didn't say you're too early or mm-hmm. anything like that. So because of that, I'm sure if you get there, because you'll be leaving right after the show. And right, if you get there right. at 1215, I think you're going to be fine. I'm not positive on that, but mm-hmm. I think you would be. And they'll just let you go. Wasn't a ton of cars, but there were cars that were constantly yeah. going in at that point. I went to the Waukee site in and out and then over the ball field. But felt it till when? Not felt it, but knew you had something done. 345. Oh, that's not bad. No. That's no. not bad. No, it's just different. Right. And now I've done it. Yeah, good. And a story to tell on the radio. Yeah, look at us talking and more, right? <laughs> yes. Kind of a little different, but yeah. I'm going to put that on, uh, in that column. Yes. Anyways, let's get back to what we uh, to say do best, what we do, uh, and that's talk sports. And, and again, I want to start with Jamie Pollard because, um, you know, I mean, I'm not making too much of what they've done, am I? I think they've done a remarkable job. They have. They were at the forefront from the beginning about... The pay cuts, yes. because knowing the financials. Mike and Gundy refuses to do so at Oklahoma right. State. And refuses. a state that isn't exactly, it's cash-strapped. Uh-huh. That, that state of Oklahoma, my dad lives down there, and he tells me about all these things all the time, and he's one of those people that also complains about uh, athletics and the amount of money that goes into it. But Well, it's even worse, because at least at the time that he turned down the pay cut, and I don't want to do that, I'm not, I have no interest in doing that, they were actually cutting back on some of the stipends that the student-athletes were oh, going to man. receive. So how bad of a look is that? Well, right? Mike Gundy is the king of bad looks. Right, this was the guy that wanted to get everybody back on campus to bring more money into the state of Oklahoma. He was saying you that know, in April. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come on. Yeah, that, that's who he's, he he's is. Say, what he's doing is he's saying the quiet part out loud. Right. Yeah. The one that I'm sure a lot of football coaches probably all Absolutely. think. Absolutely. But you don't say it out loud. Mike no. Gundy says that, and, and maybe there's something on that part to be commended about, as they'll yeah. actually say things, but there's the other part and things that nobody should say that he certainly said throughout that. You know, Pollard, as you go through it, yesterday the tweet he sent out, I think it was right before our show uh, yesterday, maybe during the show, just with the picture of the end zone and the renovations that they're mm-hmm. going through, mm-hmm. coming right on the heels of the recommendation from Story County. Do you do you think there was something to that? Uh... I do. If the University of Iowa was doing the renovations on the end zone, then maybe. I, po- he doesn't do anything yeah, maybe just on a whim. That's kind of been his M.O. Right. Okay, I'll give you that. He says, think- Story County, you know what? I know you have your recommendation. Mm-hmm. Take this for your recommendation. This is what the tweet said. Check out the progress on the retaining wall at the Northeast Hill at Jack Trice Stadium. Fans are going to be really are going to really notice the changes in the north end of the stadium when they attend the opening game hmm. on September fifth. That was planned. Yeah, okay. there was something to that. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't read that tweet, but I, I did see the picture. Uh, that you're referencing. Yeah, maybe there was, now that you mentioned it. Maybe there was. Uh, and I guess that uh, the, the Story County Health Board is going to meet this evening uh, for the uh, for the, uh, recommendation. It's going to fall on deaf ears. Uh, it's not up to them. It's not up to the Story County Supervisor. Look, Pollard put out a tweet uh, earlier on, or later, the, earlier this morning, right? It, he understands how much college athletics mean to Ames. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, to businesses, yeah. uh, to people who work at those businesses. He's 100% right. This is why I keep saying there's never been a time where the student athlete has more mm-hmm. has, has a as a bigger club if you want than they do right now. I don't know if I, I think they realize that. I'm not sure that they can do anything with it. But man, oh man, these athletic department budgets are predicated on football happening this year. Um there is some news football wise with three conferences. Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac twelve are all under the assumption 
uh, at least on the drawing board, that they are going to push back their championship game from, is it December 5th this year? First Saturday in December. Uh, They are going to hold that date as a possible makeup date. So if they have to cancel a game Uh because... You know, last week we had I had a debate with uh, Pete Mundo from Artland College Sports. How many Texas players were? They would have postponed that game, right? They would have. It would have had Texas and K State been scheduled to play that week. They would canceled. So a lot of schools are proactive. A lot of conferences proactive, holding an open week in case we have to make up some games. Not every school will, but uh, so that pushes back bull. Destinations, right? That pushes back playoff announcements mm-hmm. because those three, at least you would think, well, one of them will for sure, is going to factor into who goes to the college football playoff. Unless we get three SEC teams this year <laughs> and an ACC, so and Clemson, an, and Clemson and three SEC. <laughs> How'd that go over, Trent? Oh, not well here, <laughs> not well in the Midwest, right? Uh, especially because Bart is the head of the uh, oh, yeah. playoff committee. Yeah, that wouldn't go over well at all. So, so anyway, so back to uh, to Jamie Pollard. Um, yeah, you know what? The more I think about your tweet, maybe there was a little something in that to him uh, from him. But uh, they've sold out of tickets. No more tickets are available. Mm-hmm. Here's the one thing that on the press release that I would like a little more clarity on. Uh, the the release says that fans are re- required. Fans are required to wear face coverings when entering the stadium. Now, that is when you are in close proximity to a lot of people. You're standing in line. I mean, socially distancing lines like that Mm -hmm. to get into a stadium. I'm sure they're going to stagger when you're supposed to come in. Not everybody's going to be able to do that. So you think by sections. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, That's actually a good idea. And it might be the lower rows. You you come in. It's a, let's say it's a 2.30 game. All right. Mm -hmm. First people are going to be allowed in earlier than normal. We'll say 1 o'clock and... Open at 1 o'clock. Anybody can come in at that time. Then at one thirty, we're going to put in these six sections, the lower roll, uh-huh. rows, and then the upper rows after that in those sections. You have to stagger it at some point. Again, Kind of like you're getting on a plane? Yeah. <laughs> right. No, no, that's a really good way yeah. to put it. And I think that makes sense. And there's still going to be people that are going to be sitting in their tailgate spot until... Right at kickoff. Right, yeah. and they've uh, limited the tailgating t- uh, hours, reduced mm-hmm. tailgating hours as well. I wonder if they'll close some lots. I think they're going to have to. Because, yeah. look, at if you have, so what? it seats 60, so they're going to put in 30, say. Um, there'll be people that just want the experience. Yes. You know, that the, the hook up one of those little uh, portable dishes, that what oh, you yeah. call them? Oh, yeah, yes. And, oh, you've done it, I'm yes, sure. Yes, we have. Watched, watched the game and drank some beers mm-hmm. and grilled or whatever. And there's plenty of people that go and they Absolutely. don't go to the game. Just to, the experience. They want to tailgate, they want to have fun, and... Some people don't enjoy being at the game. They enjoy watching it mm-hmm. on television. They think the view is better, and because of that, well, you go my, any my hands up. Yeah, any tailgate lot, and you're going to see a lot of those people that are there. Yeah. Now, is that discouraged? Story for you: my uh, my brother and his son went to the Chiefs playoff game. I think the divisional round game. Okay. I believe it was, and they went there just to experience it. Set up their tailgate, had a good time. Kickoff started, and security came and said, "You have to leave." They weren't allowing that in Kansas City, and this is back in January Uh when that happened. So I wonder if there's going to be something put in place to Mm. discourage that and give some power even to the Ames police or or whoever else security that's around there taking that away. I could certainly see that being the case. You want people that are going to the game there. You don't want the extra people. 
think of the Cyhawk game this year. Oh, wow. And if only 30,000, 35,000 are going to be allowed in, mm-hmm. how many people still mm-hmm. want to go there? Yeah. You think of the students and the people, the kids from Ames that make their way to Iowa City every two years, vice versa. Right. You know, when it, when it falls in Ames and the number of people that just do that, I, I've seen it. I've, I've seen what the lots look like. I've seen what the bars look like during that time. And it's just absolutely crazy. Well, if you discourage that, at least at some level, where you have to have a ticket to be there or you have to be making your way to the game to be there, how difficult that's got to be to enforce, though, too. Yeah, for sure. And it's spread thin. And the other part is those are the university-owned lot, lots that you can do that. And there's a lot more of those around Jack Trice. For sure. As opposed to, no to in Iowa City. Yep. Our, we are right across the street. We're right across the railroad tracks from Kinnick. We are a three-minute walk away from the stadium, but we are at a private lot. Well, the university doesn't have any pull there. Yeah. The jurisdiction maybe then would fall to the city, Windsor, mm-hmm. not Windsor Heights, uh, what's it called? University Heights yeah. is the or little Johnson town County. there. Yeah, Johnson County. Do they have pull? There's still a lot in front uh-huh. here that they need to figure out on the tailba- tailgating aspect of this. Uh, but back to your original point, I think that's where you're going to see something staggered there to get into the game. Mm-hmm. You put on your mask, now do you have to wear it? Yeah, that's a good point, Trent, because if you are socially distanced in the stadium, so you, you, you're... You're there His with your theory family. is you're in line and you have to have your mask on then. But once you get to your seat, because and they're and they're going to um, I don't know if they're going to make it. Well, if you, if they put it out there, it'll be made public because someone will share it. But in the weeks ahead, he's going to actually put out a stadium map. Oh, okay. he's going to show you where your seats are and mm-hmm. how much room you have around those seats. So you can and some people will. Take it off to yell at the officials during the game. Right, right, yeah. Or if you look around and there's nobody within six feet and you're just sitting there with your family mm-hmm. and you got your wife and your two kids, I don't need my mask because yeah. nobody's around me. I'll put it on when I have to go use the head. I'll put it on when I have right. to gonna go grab a Coke and a hot dog. But in between... Climbing the rows, yeah. huffing and puffing and right, getting right. seat. Right. But until then... Well, the other part is then people that are making their way back and going up into the concourse, if you have one of the seats that are on the edge... Well, you probably want to have your mask on because mm-hmm. there's going to be people going by you for sure at that part. I, or I wonder if they wonder if they would block those seats off. Maybe yeah, that would probably make sense too. But in order to make it all work, I, I'm sure there's going to be at least uh-huh. some people that are there. The other component that that I do wonder about when it gets to what this looks like. So I told you out of Principal Park how they just zip tied all the seats mm, that yeah. you can't sit in. Right. Well, these are bleachers for the most part mm-hmm. in both stadiums. You're not zip tying a bleacher. No. That's not going <laughs> to no. do anything. I mean, is it? You get out some red tape and you just put X's. Yeah, I think that probably, I mean, I don't know. That might be the way you do it, right? But you can still sit on a red X. Right. And and there's going to be, I'm sure, people mm-hmm. wherever you go that are not going to follow the letter of the law to the T. What you're supposed to do, there's going to be people that go away and what that gets into. It's athletic departments, the people that have to work in the day, game day operations, not a fun time to be doing your job. No, and um, such an important time because, uh, let, let's be perfectly honest, football moves the needle and pays the bills. Yes, and the it last does. thing that anybody, if you've got a kid that plays a, one of the uh, Olympic sports or the non-revenue sports, you are doing your utmost, dropping down your knees at night and praying that college football happens because it. Uh, we, I don't even want I'm, I know I don't want to think about what the – uh, what would happen if there's no football? That just must be keeping them folks up at night. Well, just see UConn yesterday cut for sports. Not alone. And 
This is going to happen all across the country. It's happening at the lower levels right now. You're not seeing this at the power conference level, but it is going to continue in a lot of these different venues. It is going to be some tough times for athletic departments, and and that's why I continue to maintain. I had a conversation just yesterday with somebody and brought up, oh, there's there's no way there's going to be college football. There's going to be college football. There has to be. There has to be. Right. In order for athletic departments to survive, yep. They have to have some form and fashion of football. Is it going to be 12 games uninterrupted? Mm-hmm. We can have that argument. But to mm-hmm. say there isn't going to be college football, I just can't see that path. I'm with you. So uh, what What if the Big 12, Big 10, and the Pac-12 get through the season, I'll use the word unscathed, mm-hmm. would they then move back up their championship game? Because now, they're, like I say, they are tinkering with the second Saturday in December. December 12th would be the date as opposed to holding it the first. And i got to think that the SEC and the ACC would follow suit, don't you think? So are they They are saying that the championship They're game They're building is- in an extra week. They're Instead of playing the game the Saturday following the conclusion of the season, right? Instead mm-hmm. of the Saturday after Thanksgiving weekend, they're going to hold that week uh, in abeyance in hopes that they... So they got the building for the 5th and the 12th. Uh, absolutely. So if nothing happens, they'll, they'll play it on, it on the, the fifth. fifth. If they need to, they'll play it on the twelfth. And I'm not, yeah, they may have to. Let, let's say Iowa State and Kansas have weren't able to play their game, and Iowa State's tied for second with Oklahoma State um, to determine who plays in the in the Big Twelve championship. Kansas and Iowa State have to make up that date, mm-hmm. so they'll play that on December fifth, pushing back the. The Big 12 championship until the following week. And I would guess also the way that they had this set up and, and kind of putting that out there is they're also determining Northwestern and Nebraska, their game got canceled. Well, they can still play that game at the end of the season. And maybe it's just for bowl eligibility, mm. but also because of TV contracts, because I'm sure there's a certain threshold that yeah, they need to hit point. in terms of games yeah. in order to get their full there check. in every other sport. So it has to, maybe that flexibility that they're building in here, yeah. and if it's a decision where, you know what, there's actually four conference games that we have to play, we'll play those all on the fifth and then mm-hmm. push back our championship game in order to get that full TV money. Who did we, um, we were talking yesterday, uh, Nebraska-Purdue week one? Is that what we were talking about, right? <laughs> we were, yeah. Opening we, week, that's awesome. We saw those Big Ten West odds that I tweeted out yesterday, and we uh, we both like the Boilers at 33-1 to one to win the division. How, how can you not take a stab? Like, I don't yeah. think they're going to win the so division. Either. I think they'll be 7-5, and 8-4. and four. Yeah, but get a break. How many people thought Minnesota was going to have the run they had last year? Well, the the year with Northwestern oh, a couple years up. ago. 7-2, <laughs> and 6-3, and three, a exactly. three-way tie, and they had the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Boom. You got yourself a 33-1 to one ticket. How about that? Uh, we'll have ourselves John Bowen Camp when we come back. Uh, we will talk Big, 12, Big Ten rather with John Bowen Camp, Hawkeyes, and get some baseball in there as well. Uh, as he is a huge baseball fan. Uh, and then Matt Rudy from Golf Digest. Uh, golf was in the news yesterday and today as they're playing in the Travelers. Uh, we will, Travelers, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Travelers. Uh, we'll talk to Matt Rudy in 11 o'clock hour. We'll do some uh, Major League Baseball and some more Big 12. Miller and Condon with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106. And now on 106.3 FM.
right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. John Bowenkamp from the Maven momentarily. This is a little, a little local breaking news when it comes to sports. Uh, games at Principal Park have been put on hold. A Principal Park staffer has tested positive for COVID-19. Teams that were played there yesterday and today's games obviously postponed. Uh, all staff being tested and will resume activities at the ballpark once those uh, test outcomes come back. So, that's too bad. I mean, kids, who was there yesterday? Knoxville and... Ames. Knoxville and Ames. I yep. mean, what a thrill, right? Oh, no what doubt. an absolute yep. thrill for those kids uh, to play at the uh, home of the uh, AAA Iowa Cubs. Uh, but there's a staffer that's tested positive, so those games have been... Uh, moved uh, for the um, well until we get some clarity. Let's talk to John Bowen Camp. Uh, Randy Wayhofer, by the way, is going to join us at eleven o'clock from the Iowa Cubs. Uh, so Randy Wayhofer, eleven o five, will join the program right now. John Bowen Camps joins the program. Hi, John Trenton. Ken, how are you? I'm doing good. How you doing? Tell Randy I said hello. Uh, he's a good man, is he not? Yeah, he's an old friend from his Burlington Bees days. So. I didn't know that. I will absolutely yeah. will, will do that. Uh, so, John, let's get into um, a, a number of things, obviously. What I want to start with you, we'll, we'll do with the Hawks and Big Ten was my obvious point. Let's start Big Ten. As Big Ten, Big 12, and the Pac-12 are building in a an extra week potentially to the schedule should the need arise for should a you know a couple of schools have to postpone a game a couple of schools that may have factored into the uh into the uh conference championship game uh it it, it hasn't been set in stone yet but they're being proactive that they they realize that we may need to you know build in some flexibility to this schedule uh so at least that's on the drawing board yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, and I, and we've talked about this before, I think they have every, I I don't think they have just plan A and plan B. I think they, they're they down probably now to plan probably W at this point. I mean, I think that, that um, they're looking at everything right now. And to be really honest with you, I thought that, I thought what they would probably try to do when, when they kept talking about the 10-game conference schedule only, conference teams only, that I thought they would move everything up, actually, and play that, championship game thanksgiving weekend since everybody mm. you know getting out of school by that week and just get it done by thanksgiving that's what i thought but again it makes sense if you're going to want to play a full 12 game schedule if you're going to want you know and and you're and you want to do this i think you have to build in a week because you just don't know what's going to happen and i and i think that that's that this maybe is one of those concession things to saying we want to play a 12-game schedule, but we're going to add this week or, or maybe even another one. Who knows? That that we have maybe a couple weeks in there where we try to get some games done if we have to postpone at some point during the season. After uh, a wild uh, week or so, week and a half uh, for Iowa football, the dirty laundry that was out there for the nation to see, news has really started to slow down in a big-time way. And, and Feels like, at least in the initial parts here, that getting back to normal in Iowa City. What's your viewpoint as you look over there, and what was a tumultuous couple of weeks? Well, I think I think everybody had their say, and now I think everybody is wanting to see where this goes next. And um, I, I mean, I, I think that that they are they are in good. Sh- I think they're in good shape in what they've been saying and what they've been doing in terms of. You know, putting together their 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 annual leadership group that they and they've done that. Um, now they've put together their you know the advisory council of former players 
and they're starting to look into things. And the independent review is going on right now. So, and I think maybe that is part of it too, is everybody's just kind of, I think everybody's just kind of put everything on pause right now and then just said, let's, let's wait and see where we're at at this point to, to move forward. And so I, I think right now, like I said, everybody's just kind of, you know, holding their breath right now, waiting to see what happens. And where does this all go from here? Mm. I know this is probably early, and we'll, and we'll uh, within the next, I think, probably a couple of months, we'll know more. But we do, we now know that you know Gary Barda has uh, stopped taking ticket orders. They are that um, they realize that maybe they you know have they're going to have to disappoint some people and, and refund some money or not maybe get as many games as they thought they were going to do. But going forward to Carver this year and the anticipation, especially if that one kid comes back, um, you know, I mean, of Gar is there who knows what this team's going to be and and you know a building that's been let's face it been uh, difficult to get fans to at some points over not last year but uh, years prior to uh when do we think we'll know what they're going to do as far as how they'll handle the seating and what normally under you know a non-covid time would be a you know kind of carver rock in the way they used to do potentially my guess is it'll probably be the same sort of deal they'll They'll cut off. I mean, I, I think probably what they're looking at right now, and again, I'm just I'm just speculating at this point, but they're probably looking at half capacity. And so I think I think what you'll see is the same sort of deal there. Everybody who's ordered a season ticket in the past, um, you know, if you order and get your money to them by a certain deadline, um, you're going to get in. Uh, single game tickets probably not going to happen this year. Um, you know, especially, you know, and I mean, it's, it, it, I just think it's, I, I think we have to be prepared for that this year. And, I, and so I think that they've probably got the same sort of thing in mind. And you're right, because I mean, if, if, if Luca Garza comes back, which I think he will, yep. um, I, I think that you're talking about sellouts every night. And even for, you know, even for Alabama State, you're going to get a big crowd, you know, that's where mm-hmm. it is. Whereas in the past, maybe you only get, you know, maybe 7,500, 8,000 people. So I mean I I think that, that I think there will be limits there too I think and and again that schedule may look different I mean we've already seen the junior colleges move up their 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 schedule their start so that there aren't a lot of games in December not that there weren't a lot anyway but maybe you know maybe the Big Ten maybe maybe college basketball does that Division One level although I was thinking the other day with Iowa I think there's maybe five or six games after Thanksgiving. Um, you know, so there's a lot of downtime in there. So I, you know, like I said, I don't know what, I don't know what that schedule is going to look like, but I do think there is going to be a limit on the number of fans that are going to be allowed in. So, uh, John, I saw a report that the University of Iowa is going to have students, faculty, uh, staff all wearing face coverings while on campus. And I got to thinking, and just the other day, I was getting ready to head into the store. I left my mask and walked back to my car and grabbed it, but almost forgot to do that as I was making my way in. What kind of uh, system's going to be in place where some kid's coming out there, he's trying to get to his class, and he forgot it back in his dorm room? Are there going to be places where they're just going to have masks there that you can grab? Same thing when you're making your way to Kinnick. And if they have it like Iowa State's doing, to get in, you need to have a mask. Are they going to have disposables there for people to grab as they're making their way to the stadium? It's possible. I mean, I, I, I think I think a lot of that's going to depend on cost and availability. But, you know, I mean, I went you know, a couple weeks ago. I was in Staples, and I bought a package of disposable ones, and those things are in my bag. You know, and I mean, I have my, my mask in my car, 
And, you know, it's like, okay, so if I forget it, I'm going to have some extras in my bag. So um, there may be a black market thing. I may start selling them for a high, you know. Um, but, no, seriously, I, I think that I think that I do think that um, I do think there's going to be some requirements like that. I mean, I, I'll, I'll just say this to the fans. Get ready to have your temperature taken before going in. Get ready to, to I mean, get ready to stand in line and have to be six feet away from each other. It's going. It's going to be very uncomfortable. I don't think the days of let's tailgate until ten fifty-five for an eleven a.m. game and then walk in. I don't think that's going to happen this year. So I think the bet the sooner we realize that this is going to be a different year, I think the better off everybody's going to be. It's going to be a different year in uh, Major League Baseball, John Bowen Camp. Trent and I are racking our brains trying to figure out. You know, we, we look at depth charts where we assume we will be looking at schedule. Everybody's trying to find that magic formula for how the hell am I going to figure out if this team's going to get off to a fast start, right? It is so, right. it is, it's such a, so paramount, obviously, with the sprint that we're about to start from game one all the way through game 60. In your mind, what teams or, or what would make a team, uh, one of those uh, teams that you identify as maybe this will be a fast starting team. I'm mean, obviously Kershaw, Bueller, Price, Urias, not bad. Um, exactly. Yeah. And so is it is it all pitching? <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I think it will, and I, I mean, I think it's going to be, you know, I and it's going to be depth too because I think you're going to have. I, I mean, especially when they start out the season with, with thirty guys, and 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 I, I, I do think it's going to be all about pitching. I mean, I think if you look back to in past, you know, go back to 81 and, and, and that strike here and, and look at those teams in the second half. The ones that did well were the ones that stayed in shape were the guys that stayed in shape during, during the off, you know, during the, during the time off of the strike. So how many guys have been working out? How many, you know, I mean, and that, that's going to be a key too, I think, for a lot of guys is that if they've been able to stay in shape, if they've been able to get their throwing in, if they've been able to do some of the things, which I know has been very difficult, I think that's going to be the biggest difference. I mean, I, I just think it's it's guys who are going to be ready to play. I think especially early on in that first month, maybe in those first 20 games, I think that makes the biggest difference. Who's the ace of the Dodgers? I don't think it's Kershaw anymore. Crazy to oh, say. Oh, it's Bueller. I yeah, mean, I think I do too. I mean, I mean, I you know, and again, look at their 60-game start last year to the season, and they won 41 games. Yeah, yeah, 41. So I, I'm yeah. thinking, if, since they're th- that much better, I'm thinking 50 and 10. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I and and their losses may be in single digits. You know, yeah. but um, but I mean, but I mean, but I mean, I do think that's going to make a difference. Is if if you can have really, if you can have quality pitching. You know, all the way through, just, I mean, because, I mean, especially early in the year, and Dave Roberts said this yesterday, a lot of these starting pitchers are only going to go four innings, five innings to start out. So it's going to be the teams that are that are good from, from the front end and the back end that I think are going to be the ones that really take advantage of this of this sprint to the finish. 51-9 and nine in a playoff disappointment. Dodgers baseball for no, you in 2020. 51-9 and nine and 11. Well, but so, so we're talking about 62-9. and nine. Oh, 62. <laughs> sweeping their way through the playoffs on top uh, of it. Exactly, yeah. So. Good stuff, John Camp. Thank you. Love talking with you. Thank you. Have a good day. Good to talk to you, John Bowen Camp from the Maven, the Sports Illustrated. Hawkeye Maven.
uh, under the Sports Illustrated umbrella. We are going to, again, Matt, uh, Randy Wayhofer, rather, coming up uh, from the uh, Iowa Cubs. We'll speak with him at 11.05. There's been a positive amongst the staff at Principal Park. So uh, games that were scheduled, high school games, those college all-star games that uh, they've been uh, put on the back burner. We'll find out more from Randy Wayhofer at 11.05. Matt Rudy on golf next. Miller and Condon till noon. 1460 KX and 010- For details. Welcome back. Final segment of the first hour of the program. Trent and I with you until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. As promised, time to talk a little golf. Golf was in the news. Boy, there was some pins and needles sitting for a while. Whether they tried to, I guess, uh, speculate on what uh, the Commissioner Monaghan was going to say at his press conference as it leaked out earlier in the morning that there were some COVID positives. Uh, but the tour goes on, and it's actually a pretty good leaderboard as we sit here here this morning. Uh, Matt Rudy from Golf Digest joins us. Matt, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on. Uh, were you, like uh, Trent and myself and a lot of sports fans, uh, kind of on pins and needles wondering what Monaghan would say at his press conference yesterday afternoon, or did you have it uh, on pretty good authority that the tour was going to go on, just more protocols and precautions? I think it was both. It, it, this is the, the world we're in now. This tour event is 30 minutes from my house. And even though it's 30 minutes from my house, I'm home covering it from here just because wow. of, number one, the risk, and number two, the complications of trying to cover an event when you have to stay kind of far away from people and all that. So you know, I think we're in new territory about how sports leagues respond to it because there are two pieces to it. It's actually keeping the players safe, which is the number one important thing, and number two, what the perception is of the decisions you make. And I think just based on watching what players were going out and, and continuing their practice rounds throughout the day, they're, they're informed about those things from the, from the commissioner ahead of when the media gets it. So the fact that a bunch of players were simultaneously going out and continuing their practice round gave people, mm. I think, the, the clue that it wasn't going to be canceled. But I think what the commissioner wanted to do was reinforce the idea that if we aren't careful and it's a collective we you know the players the media you know everybody if we're not careful about how we do this and it becomes some wild spread of the virus then things are going to change and things are going to get shut down want to uh, ask you about a particular player that certainly has been out there at the forefront, Bryson DeChambeau. Now he's jacked up. He's been in the weight room here during the pandemic, and, and he comes out there looking completely different. Just such an interesting guy. He rankles people the way he talks about his swing and how different it is. The iron's all the same length, on and on and on. What kind of figure does he have a chance to become? Is this maybe a villain on the tour? Feels like sometimes you need those kind of guys. I, for sure. From, from the outside looking in, I think it's great to have different personalities. You know, some people who are friendly and some people are, are you, know, you know, Brooks Kepka is a good example. It's not that he's not friendly or that he's a bad guy. In fact, he is friendly and he's a good guy. But the role he plays is kind of the, the you know, that he's got an edge to him and, and, he, and he claps back at other players. And I think DeChambeau is in that category, too, where he does his own thing and does what he wants to do. And in a sport like golf, which is, pretty traditional and in conservative. I mean, this is, this is a sport where everybody's quiet all the time while the people are competing and it doesn't take much to shake up the, you know, the, the way people watch it or the, or the way people interact you know, with, with the players. And I think what, what's interesting about Bryson is he's willing 
to do his own research and find out things for himself. And the big thing is he's willing to actually go do them and try them in competition. There's a lot of players that go out and experiment and try to swing faster and try to do different things in their game. But in the end, there's some reticence to take that stuff that you experiment with and actually try to do it when you're out making money. And he's put his money where his mouth is, so to speak, and said, hey, I'm, why can't I have 200 miles an hour ball speed and you know, try to hit, you know, increase my odds of scoring well because the, the metrics tell me that the closer I am to the hole, even if it's in the rough, give me, a, give me an advantage. Matt Rudy from Golf Digest is our guest. Yeah, him, Patrick Reed, I guess, would be one of yeah. those villains uh, uh, that, you know, there was a, for a long time, it was Mickelson versus Tiger. Uh, let's um, let's get back to Monaghan yesterday, Matt. Uh, what what more can they do, I guess? Are, are the players taking all the precautions that they need to? Are they staying away at the, uh, you know, once a round's over, and I don't think they, you know, they're going to the bar? Maybe they do. Uh, have they been... Uh, have they been doing all that they need to do, or how much blame, I guess, do they need to uh, to shoulder? Well, it's such an interesting spot to be in because the reason golf can play versus the, you know the troubles that we're seeing with a lot of the team sports now is because it's a field of independent contractors who are responsible for themselves. And, and if somebody is sick and they can't play and they stay home, you can find somebody else to go play in a tournament. And golf also lends itself to being kind of you know, people being a little bit farther away from each other than a different sport. But the downside of that is because it's this individual sport where the players are so used to doing what they want to do and then dispersing off into the world and, you know, into back to their lives, and, you know, back around all the people that they spend time with. I think it's much harder to impose some kind of centralized control over what they do in a given week. You know, it's just not a normal, you know, the, a true player, he's, he's in his own orbit and then comes and plays an event. Now, with some of these rules, you're saying, all right, you've got to stay in this one hotel. We're all going to fly on the same plane. I think it's helping to, to impose some of those restrictions, but it's definitely not something players are used to doing. And, and I, I certainly think that around the edges, there's going to be some, some friction where, you know, a, a player wants to go over and shake somebody's hand or, you know, he's, he's doing something out of reflex. Like, like Cameron Champ was, you know, getting some treatment from his, from his uh, trainer and they just did it, you know, at a, at a at a gym, which is something they don't want anyone to do. And and I don't think he meant to to cause anybody any trouble. But now, given that he has a positive test, what you know, how do you absorb that? And what what does that mean? There's going to be more rules, and I think it's it's, but it's going to be hard, like like always, to control what 140 some people do, along with their caddies and coaches and you know all the other people that go along with that few weeks into it, uh, a lot of great fields that we've seen up to this point with the return to the PGA Tour, though, dwindled with Kepka and the four others that were out uh, this week for the tournament. First major will be the PGA Championship. That'll be in San Francisco August 6th through the 9th. No fans will be in attendance for, in attendance for that one, but that'll be the first major. When will we see Tiger? When are we going to see... Memorials, my guess. That, that seems to make the most sense. Is that what you're hearing, Matt? It is. It's a place that he's always played well. And I think the, the difficult part for any player, and especially a player who's had some back surgeries and is not ever going to play a super active schedule anyway, that the challenge for all this is to figure out what events you need to play in to get ready for the events that mean the most to you. And Tiger's in a unique spot compared to anybody else on the tour and that you know, the, the regular tour events serve as spring training for him to get to major. 
And mm. I think all of this is designed to, you know, how, how much stress do I put on my body to get myself playing as the, the best in the tournaments that I feel like I have the best chance to win? And, and no one really knows that except him, and especially now given the changes in the schedule and how many events are in a row. And I mean, there's a lot of math that, that goes into that too. And I think there's also the same math that, that, that all of us think about in terms of going to cover an event. And, you know, I'm, I've got three little kids and I've got to think about you know, if there's an event that I'm going to go to and do my job, how, you know, how likely am I, am, am I to, to put myself at risk? And he's, he's thinking about that too. Cause the, cause the funny thing is he's in his forties now. So you're, right. it's not the same as being a 23 year old super fit guy who, who could probably get through it and be okay. Uh, Matt Rudy, a couple more minutes, Matt. You can uh, golfdigest.com. Uh, great coverage over at Golf Digest. If you're a golf fan, it is a must-click. Uh, let me go back to Phil Mickelson because uh, the, the, US, the United States Open is going to expand uh, some of the exemptions. Uh, uh, Phil would have been on the outside looking in had he not you know, done something here between now and then. He's certainly off to a good start today, but uh, where this isn't Sunday. Thursday's a far cry from Sunday. But he's in. Uh, I like it. I mean, he's a big name, obviously. Maybe not playing as well as he once did, although, again, today's off to a good start. Uh, but Phil Mickelson is in the United States Open. How much blowback, of any, do you think they're going to get for you know, it's not just him. There's a bunch of guys that are going to get in, but he's the biggest name. Uh, I don't think they had any. If they were going to have a U.S. Open, I don't think they could do the local qualifying that they normally do. So that it was always going to be some uh, made-up kind of criteria. And what the criteria ended up being was pretty similar to, to what you would do for a, for any other big event like that that wasn't a major you know you, you've got your people coming in from the world rankings you've got some spaces for amateurs based on their world ranking it's, it, to be honest it's almost like the masters really and and if because it's a compromise then there are going to be people that aren't happy but what they tried to do was give some places to to let people play their way in through their finishes in the european tour and their finishes in, the, in some of the events on the pga tour through the summer and that really was the best they could do and 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 i i think Phil, to his credit, he always said he wasn't going to take a special exemption. The, the U.S. Open people give one or two of those every year. And you would have to think that they would have given one to the guy who was runner-up at Wingfoot last time and you know has such a storied career at the tournament. He probably would have been eligible to get one of those anyway. I give him credit for saying he wouldn't take it, but this takes it out of his hands, and, and I think he's going to try to take advantage of the opportunity. Last thing for me, Matt, and uh, over to the financials of things. TV money, that's still there as these are on the events, but of course no spectators to this point. For these individual tournaments, how big of an impact is it? Are sponsors stepping up to kind of cure it and at least for a season make it better? What are you hearing on that side of things? Uh, There's no doubt that the, the lack of fans is a big hit, but in a strange way, because of the sports landscape right now, I think sponsors are finding even more of a benefit to, ha- to being associated with a tour event than they would otherwise because there's just so little live coverage happening right now. There's so many people watching these events mm-hmm. because there's no other option. And, and honestly, there's more eyeballs on your brand name than there would otherwise be. Now, now does that solve the problem of local hotels and restaurants and you know the things in, in, in the economy of the town where the event is? No, those people are still hurting, and it's a it's a bad situation. But I think at the macro level for the tour, 
there's a lot of attention on professional golf now that wouldn't otherwise be there. And I think everyone is trying to figure out how to make the most of that attention. I think a lot of people, not a lot, but some are tuning in just to hear the live mics on some of these players when they they get a bad shot. Hey, Matt, as always, thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Be well, Matt Rudy. Thank you. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. Yep. Absolutely. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Matt Rudy, Golf Digest, uh, joining us here as we talk a little bit of golf. Um, Mickelson in the U.S. Open. It's yeah. Good, works for me. Deserves it. He can't make a run, Kenny. It's the only one he doesn't have. Yeah. And it feels like every time you say he can't make it run, right? he does. Good start today, like you talked yeah, about. absolutely. He's off to a good one, and uh, I'm finding myself more and more. I mean, these events that normally... At best, during the summertime, would be... The Charles Schwab. Yeah, 4.30, right. flip right. over, see if it's close, and watch the last Twins are over. Right. Yeah. Now... Cubs are done for the day. Man, uh, coverage needs to... St- 2 o'clock for CBS, I guess I'll be up Golf mm-hmm. Channel at mm-hmm. noon. Yep. I watched the pregame, I think it was Saturday. <laughs> <Did you> really? <laughs> the, the lead into it at like 11.30 on Golf Channel. It, that's where we are. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. For a month. Month left. Tick, tick, tick. Yes. Uh, we will uh, get uh, into baseball coming up. We've, uh, have you had um, our first guest in the 11 o'clock hour, Tom Gatto, who covers uh, Major League Baseball for the Sporting News? Have you had him before? No, I never talked with Tom before. We were looking, kind of expanding our horizons with mm-hmm. baseball back on the horizon. And, uh, and we was... will do some locals next week. Right? Yes, Don't yeah. Think? I think we're going to try to hit everybody. Oh, I mean, it's so. fair. Oh, well, of so. course, I mean, the major ones, Cubs, Cardinals. Yeah. Twins, yep. Royals, yep. even though they're not going to be very good. Yeah, still. And even the Brewers and White Sox, I think we should throw a bone. Let's try to get somebody on everybody next week. And It's a short week. It is a short week. It might stretch into the following week. That's all right. We got to, what, the 23rd or the 24th, or we, uh, we shall have a schedule here before we know it. All right, 11 o'clock hour is coming up very quickly. We'll talk to Tom Goddard. We'll talk to Matt Postens on the Big 12. Miller and Condon with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.1.